That's right, competitors, we're back, and this week we are diving into the deep end with a former Olympian as we talk about why listening is the key to your success in your career and your life. Every day is a competition against your pride, comfort zone, fear, complacency, snooze alarms, bad habits, bad relationships, and more. This podcast is for the ambitious, willing to compete every day to make an impact in their career, health, relationships, and life. Each week, Compete Every Day founder Jake Thompson interviews leaders in business, fitness, psychology, and sports to explore what championship performers can teach us about making winning changes in life. In life. By listening today, you're deciding to start competing for your best life. That's right, competitors. I'm coming at you with some energy and some fire today because today is a new podcast episode and we are talking about listening, which is what I know you're doing right now because you are invested in winning every day's competition and you know that this show provides insights and information each week to help you do just that. If this is your first time tuning in, I want to welcome you to the show. My name is Jake Thompson. I am the founder of Compete Every Day. I'm your host each and every week. And I'm honored to be joined each and every week by guests that share their insight, that share their success stories, that share all the information you need to be motivated and equipped to win your competition in life. If you're here, I know that means you know that you're in a competition every day. Perhaps you know what you're competing against and perhaps you're just now figuring it out. But whatever that fear, that doubt, that past failure, that toxic relationship, those things that are holding you back in life... I'm going to challenge you to go win them today, to win them this week, because what you were capable of, what you were created to be, your true potential is not tapped yet, and the only way to reach it is to compete every day for it, and so myself and our team, we're behind you 100% every day, all day, all year long, because we want to see you win, and so we're going to continue to provide you that motivation to bring guests on the show to share insights so that you are informed, and more importantly, you are equipped to go to battle every day and win it. Today's guest is a good friend that I actually have known for a while through my wife, through our social circle of friends, and she is a rock star in the corporate world. Her name's Carrie Garten. She's the associate director with America's Talent Team at Ernst & Young. And before that, she was an Olympic athlete as part of a synchronized swimming team that went to the games in Sydney. Carrie and I dive into her story a little bit going from the pool, how she handled going from being the top of her class to being just another athlete surrounded by the best in the game. How does that translate for us in life when we go to a new job, when we get a new position, and suddenly we're surrounded by athletes that are at our level or beyond, and we're used to being at the top? How do we mentally prepare ourselves for that and continue to press forward? And then more importantly is her work at EY, where she's been recognized as Instructor of the Year four different times. How has she learned that listening is the biggest key to being versatile in the workplace and therefore being incredibly valuable? So regardless of what your job is, what your occupation is, what you're doing in life this week and where you're trying to go down the road, there's bits and pieces from this conversation that are going to aid you and equip you to be able to succeed at that. And so without further ado, I'm excited to welcome to the show friend and Olympic athlete, Carrie Garten. Gary, welcome to the show this week. Hi, thank you. I'm excited to be here. 
Yeah, so I've had the opportunity, obviously, to get to know you pretty well offline uh, due to you being friends with my wife and a lot of our social circles. But for our listeners and viewers today, not quite as familiar about who this person I brought on the show is. Tell us a little bit about your past, your Olympic history, and then we'll kind of dive into your career now at EY. Yeah, no, thank you. So um, to, to start uh, back and, and go uh, or forward and go back, I was a 2000 Olympic synchronized swimmer, represented the United States and got to compete in Sydney in 2000. But it all started when I was nine years old and had done multiple sports, you know, speed swimming. I was a speed swimmer. I'd done soccer and gymnastics and all the different things you try out as a little girl and was still sort of missing, you know, the, the missing link to what was really my passion. And my mom had been a synchronized swimmer and she said, you know, there's this uh, class up at the Y that I think you would enjoy. It's just a three week class, synchronized swimming. I did it when I was little. Let's go, you know, sign you up, see if you like it. And uh, so we went to sign up and it had been canceled. And so, of course, I'm like, Mom, how about, why don't you coach it? It's just three weeks. Well, it was me and all of my neighborhood friends at the Y, my mom coaching. And um, 35, I think her club is still around 35 years later. Uh, we started a synchronized swimming club, the first one around the Irving, Texas area. And um, it's unbelievable. She, she was able to develop, you know, different Olympic athletes and national team athletes. And um, I moved away at 18 to, you know, separate myself from my club team, which had really helped develop me over the years here in Texas. Um, but I knew in order to compete at the Olympic level, I would need something a little bit, um, little bit more. And so moved to California at 18 and, and um got to swim with the best club and, and coaches in the world. Uh, did, did turn down a few athletic scholarships to um, make that happen because for our sport, um, you know, I think one of the biggest differences for our sport is the training that, you know, as you can imagine getting eight girls and, you know, or, and or men to look the same, be the same, not touching the bottom of the pool. You get disqualified if you do that. So um, just a, just a heads up. Um, is hard. So we were in the pool 10 to 12 hours a day. We were out of the pool training. So it was, uh, I needed that, that uh, focus in order to make the Olympic team. I, I'm curious about your sport, especially because in, you hear with a lot of Olympic athletes, you have the team and the individuals and the individuals, it's an incredibly lonely experience because you're training with other people. But once it's game day, essentially you're out there by yourself, no one else. Yeah. The team atmosphere, you're always together. Uh, you're always training in the pool together. So learning to communicate, obviously, with people from different backgrounds and, and growing up a little bit differently with the same goal was a challenge that I know has aided you now in life in your corporate career. Talk yeah. to me a little bit about early on in that experience when you moved to California, just kind of getting into the team atmosphere with brand new people versus the neighborhood kids you, you grew up with initially. Yeah, no, I mean, there's no doubt. I, I had a, you know, I feel like life is filled with all of these different roads that you get to choose to go down and, and they completely, you know, change your, your path in life. And so when I moved to California at 18, I would say those first six months were, they were a very pivotal time in my career, my sports career, but just in my personal life. And 
one of the things I struggled with was, was being a part of a different team, not just a different team, but all high level athletes. You know, I came from a, a club team, a smaller club team where I was, I was the best. I was the, the, the star. I was the, the one that led the way the you know, the path for all the little kids, you know, to, to get their Olympic dreams. And when I, when I moved to California, I was one of lots of elite athletes and amazing talent and people that I had been competing against my entire life. I was now literally on the same team with them. And I struggled with that. It was very hard. Um, I, I almost quit. Um, I was, you know, decided that it was, it was a lot, you know, of course I was calling home and uh, all of my friends were having a blast at college parties. And uh, I was getting up at 4.30 in the morning and swimming 10 hours a day. And it was hard. Not at, I wasn't with my family. I was, you know, I definitely felt pretty lonely. And, um, and then it's so interesting, you know, I clearly decided to stay. I had a really great group of uh, support around me that really rallied and talked to me about, you know, this idea of regret. Um, and, you know, to me, Regret is one of those things that just um, creates so much emotion in your life, you know, on, well, what if, and what if, and what if I had done this? And, you know, I didn't want to look back and think that I hadn't at least tried. Um, it's one thing to, you know, try and, and fail, but it's another thing to not try at all and, and, and to fail. And so, so I continued on, but it was actually those relationships with my teammates and the communication skills that I gained over that time, you know, being able to compete with someone um, that completely had a different mindset as me or a different view or, you know, went about athletics in a different way. Um, those are the things that I feel like have really, um, really helped in my career um, at EY. I mean, it's such a, EY is such a culture of, you know, feedback and, and honesty and transparency and helping us grow. And so it's one of the, the biggest attributes I think I can, you know, I can fall back on for sure. I, I love it. And a few points that you said today and shared about just stepping into the place that you'd gone of, of competing against these people to suddenly being surrounded on a team with them and, and going from kind of the highest of, of the team to being just yeah. one of the pack. Yeah. Um, and, and the importance of, of mentally being able to slowly adjust to that. And it wasn't an easy process. It wasn't an overnight change, but yeah. in all of us, when we step into a new position in our careers and we step into a new position at a new gym or whatever the case may be for us, and we're suddenly not the top dog, it's, it's still giving our best efforts. It's still training ourselves and our, our mindset to go out and compete and get better. You obviously stuck with it. You had the opportunity to go to the Olympics, which is an incredible life-changing experience for you. There's a number of things that your career has done for you in terms of your athletic career, in terms of building some of the mental fortitude and the focus and the things you have. I'm curious about the long game of it before we dive into your corporate career, because you're on the national team for years, what, eight years, then the Olympics. It's a long time to be in the pool. It's a lot of hours spent in the pool. Yes. How are you continually focused on that Olympic goal throughout that process so that when you made the decision, hey, I'm not going to look back with regret, you still didn't lose that motivation or drive until you got to that point and that goal? 
Yeah, I mean, a couple of things. I think, you know, number one, I was so fortunate to have a very supportive family. I was, you know, fortunate to have a very supportive group of coaches around me. You know, even in my um, my career life, I always tell people, you know, surround yourself with sort of those five sponsors, you know, the people around you, they're going to lift you up and, and carry you through those hard times because it's not the easy times that we need help. It's, it's the difficult times. And um, I think that was huge for me. Um, they didn't allow me to um, just give in or, you know, allow me to, to look back with regret. I mean, when you're young, you know, you're 18, 19, 20. I mean, my goodness, you're not even fully, you know, <laughs> the, the maturity level is, is not there, you know, and certainly I think sports helped me um, in that, in that realm. And, you know, certainly if you compared and contrasted me at 18 with, you know, other friends, you know, it, it was different because my level of responsibility was just so different at such a young age. But at the same time, um, I had to maneuver so many different, um, so many different challenges. And I think, you know, the perseverance that you gain from sports, um, that, that was something that I think at the end of the day was probably what saved me is just, you know, that, that sort of internal gut feeling of, you know, I can't give up. I mean, I can't even imagine if I were to just leave this right now after so many years, um, without fully trying, you know, I would have so many regrets, you know, in, in life. And again, it would have been this road that would have veered me off in a, a direction. I think I would have just not been satisfied with. So, um, but it wasn't easy. And I know kids these days are, are, you know, especially through the teenage years. I mean, you know, it's hard, it's hard to stay the course and it's hard to stay committed to something. Even, you know, currently my son is a speed swimmer and they practice six days a week and he's barely 12. And, you know, it's hard as a parent because, you know, I'm, I'm that Olympic, you know, parent and um, I've had to, you know, take a step back and, and certainly look at myself and be like, number one, you know, not every kid's going to be an Olympic athlete and that is okay. And that is not a bad thing. Sports is not meant for, I think, people to be college athletes or to be Olympic athletes. Sports is really built to me as a way to gain work ethic, perseverance, you know, um, commitment, all, all of these things, you know, ability to work with different people. That is what sports does. And that is what we try to encourage in our kids. We could care less um, if they get first or win a game, but we do care about how hard they are working. If they're committed, if they're making the right decisions, you know, if they're a leader on their team, that's what we care about. Um, and so, you know, I think that, um, it's all of those things that sort of helped me, um, helped me stay the course for 16 years. And, and in a sport like synchronized swimming, you know, I had, I had the chance to, um, to meet Brandy Chastain and have lots of really fantastic conversations with her over the years. And she, you know, she would, could not understand how much we practice. I mean, our sport, you know, was probably one of the highest, I mean, hourly practice, <laughs> practice sports that there is. And um, that's a lot, you know, that's a lot of commitment, you know. So I want to ask on that note, because you have athletes, regardless of, of what sport they played, whether they just did high school, they played in college, they played pro, they were an Olympic mm -hmm. athlete. 
where there's always a transition period after sports. And for a lot of people, a lot of athletes, it's a big loss of identity. And, and a lot of them struggle with depression. They struggle with a lot of things because they're not defined as an athlete anymore because they're not playing and they don't really know what to do. Your training, those 10 hours a day in the pool, those hours spent practicing that's much more than a lot more Olympic athletes, there's a lot of ingraining as your identity as a swimmer and as an Olympian in there. Talk a little bit about how you were able to transition away from swimming and competitive swimming to life after sport. Uh, and what are some of the things that you did to, to have a more successful mindset of, of who you were and stepping into that next chapter? Yeah. So, I mean, first and foremost, it's, it's hard, right? It, it is absolutely hard. I mean, it reminds me kind of, you know, how I went from Texas on a small club California with the best athletes in the world. And I was now, you know, a very tiny fish in a large pond. Um, it's the same, you know, you start, I got my first job um, after, after I competed in the Olympics and I was again, a small fish in a large pond certainly had a story and I had all these great, you know, these this work ethic and, and all these things, but I was no longer the subject matter expert of my field. I was starting at the bottom and so I learned really quickly because that was hard for me. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I like being at the top. I like, I like competing. I like, you know, being number one. And I had to learn really quickly that number one, it's okay not to be number one. That is, that is okay. Um, and number two, if I wanted to succeed in this sort of next stage of my life, I was going to have to utilize and listen to all of the subject matter experts in whatever field it was going to be, I was going to be in. So I was very proactive in reaching out to people for advice, um, wanting to know how I could get better at things, you know, please don't hold back, be transparent, tell me the truth. I don't want, you know, I can take it. I'm, you know, pretty tough person. And I want to know how I can get from here to here. And, and then it was all about setting mini goals. I think my whole life, it was this big goal, you know, going to the Olympics and that was the goal. And certainly along the way, there were, there were all of these mini goals to get there. And I think that's one of the things that was so great about what swimming gave to me is that, you know, the Olympics was fantastic and that was the end goal and I accomplished it and that's great. But it was actually all of the, the and I so cliche, but it really literally is the journey um, that I utilize today. It's not the Olympic experience of competing at the Olympics. I learned a lot there, but it was really those days at the the time at the practice. It was getting yelled at by my coach and, you know, getting angry at her and then us making up and learning how to communicate better. And, you know, the same with my teammates, you know, um, learning how to, you know, be effective um, with them. And so, you know, it's setting those small goals along the way and, and utilizing peers and mentors and, and realizing that it's so awesome to have other people that are better at things than you are and being okay with that and utilizing it to your advantage versus, you know, making it you yourself crumble and thinking that you're not better than somebody else. And so, you know, it took some time. It's not like I immediately, you know, stepped into that first job and was like, I got this. I mean, it, it took me some time. I had to mature and grow out of, um, you know, that headspace where I had to be number one. And today, I mean, that's, that's, I feel like my theme, you know? I love it. And just one of the biggest things that 
you mentioned in that uh, was about having the big goal with the Olympics, but all the small goals along the way. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's been a theme I've talked about on the show and, and in my keynote about just focusing on that next runner, catch that next thing, right? Yeah. You don't worry about how far you have to go. Um, and so it's really encouraging to hear you reiterate that for all the listeners that they may have this big goal. We're still early into 2019, but they're thinking they're so far they have to go. You start to yeah. lose a little bit of motivation versus turning your focus just on that micro goal, that mini one right in front of you, catching that, then worrying about the following. You've had incredible career success in the pool and now outside of it at, at EY. And one of the things that, that really stood out to me when we talked and had conversations and, and learning about your work is that you were uh, recognized by Ernst Young as one of the instructors of the year. And so you're training and teaching and developing people. Some of us carry the mindset that we're not as smart as other people. We have, you know, we just don't learn that well. You know, it's not for us. You're obviously built success on teaching and training and developing. What are some of the small habits that you see of the most successful people you've trained? Uh, and how do those translate to everyone else that they can have those same takeaways and, and start to run with those same characteristics? Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, you know, being a, a, I'm a coach at heart, right? Clearly, obviously, but being an instructor, I, I, I learn. I mean, I, I do it because I actually learn so much from the people I'm teaching. I, I get just as much out of the students I teach and the, the new promote, promotees in the firm than they probably get out of me. So that's number one. I mean, it's, it's a, there's a selfish reason in there. I, I love it because I learn so much from them. But no, I mean, you know, we talk about um, versatility a lot in the training that I do. And versatility is being able to communicate effectively with a wide range of people. So not just someone who thinks the same way as you do and, and does the same things as you and has the same opinion as you, but actually being able to be effective with someone and succeed with a team of people that are completely different from you. And somebody with high versatility is going to be successful in your career, in life, in sports. Um, it's somebody with low versatility that, you know, doesn't have that ability to communicate effectively with such a large group of um, individuals. It's going to struggle because, you know, that's, that's where there's a lack of self-awareness, right? I think self-awareness, emotional intelligence is big. And I see it all the time. I mean, I, I have some pretty intense conversations when I'm, you know, instructing on, you know, well, but this person has to be this way. And if they don't do it my way, then they're wrong. And, you know, we teach about the, the golden rule is, you know, do as, um, do as I do, you know, versus the platinum rule is do as they want to do. So I've got to figure out how Jake wants to work, you know, does he want to have um, video calls? Does he want to have, you know, whatever? How, what is his mannerisms and how does he like to work? Does he like to say, hey, how was your morning? Um, or does he want to get straight to business? And really be flexible to that, those different styles. You know, not everybody, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I was going to ask, how do, you, how do you encourage someone to increase their versatility and, and their ability to adapt in certain situations? Yeah. Um, listen, listen, um, 
you know, we talk about listening. I mean, I've had, I've had to, you know, step away. Um, there's, there's all different personality styles. So we talk about it in a sense of you've got an expressive, um, you know, communication style, you've got an analytical, you've got a, a driving, um, you know, communication style, and then you've got an amiable style. And so a lot of it is just knowing sort of where you are. And it's not to, you know, pigeonhole people in a box. It's just, again, about self-awareness and what kind of, what, how do you interact with people? How do you communicate with people and what are the pros and what are the cons? And, um, and understanding, I mean, we have a lot of aha moments, you know, people are going, wow. So that's why I don't get along with that person. I've been doing this and I'm not meeting their needs yet. I think I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, it's, it's such a, it's so interesting when people start to have that sort of self-awareness and realize how much control they actually have on the success of their team and how they can lead and encourage and, um, and, and adapt. So um, I, I think, you know, I was going to say that's huge. I, and I love that importance of listening yeah. uh, and just continuing to learn not only about yourself, but ways to better influence your team. And so those individuals that are, hungry for that knowledge that want to learn and then have the ability to sit and listen and understand where they fit and how they communicate and how others are needing communication and need to, to hear and express things are, are massive for us in our working career and our sports career, just in life, making sure we're on all the same pages from a personal to professional relationship. Uh, yeah. Carrie, that was fantastic. And I appreciate you so much taking some time out of a busy week to join the show. If people want to just kind of learn more about EY or yourself, where are some good places online we can find out more and get connected? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. So connecting with me on LinkedIn, um, Carrie Garten is fantastic because actually I think I'm, I'm under Carrie Barton Garten. <laughs> so Easy to remember. I know. So, but it's, it's just a great way to, to get connected with our firm, obviously ey.com. Um, we've got a, a lot of uh, amazing opportunities out there and the firm is, um, it, it, it breeds uh, sports and, and, and athletes. We've got a really um, large contingency of those um, types of uh, individuals there and it's, it's been a great place for me. So. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show this week. Thank you, Jake. I appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. Visit CompeteEverydayPodcast.com to learn how you can get connected with other everyday competitors. Contact the show and find resources to help compete for your best life.